The breaking news just keeps flying in as we get ready to start the show, and we'll get to all of it. Jawan Howard's been suspended for the rest of the regular season. We'll get our thoughts, reactions to the All-Star game, and, heck, Adam Schefter getting in with the breaking news that the Combine's been unbubbled. What will it mean? We'll get to all of it, but the biggest story of the day is still the comments that LeBron made over the weekend and what impact that has on the future of the NBA. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And Sarah, we're just sitting there trying to watch people shoot and dunk the ball and <laughs> figuring that, hey, we're going to enjoy watching a bunch of All-Stars be All-Stars. And then we all got caught by the strays that came with LeBron James' comments, mm. as he said in an interview with The Athletic, that the door is, quote, not closed on a potential return to the Cavs, that he wants to play the last season in the league with his son, And frankly, now we've got all sorts of thinly veiled reports that LeBron's not happy with the Lakers and their lack of movement at the All-Star break. It was all about LeBron using the weekend to make sure we are aware of every ounce of what he's considering for the next couple of years. Yeah, Fitz, as somebody mentioned on Around the Horn today, I think it was Harry Lyles, uh, is this the first time someone has attempted to name an opposing team's GM the MVP of the season? Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, I I don't think we've seen that before. I also think when you look at that team uh, having a 18-40 and record, uh, that's especially unique to be naming the GM of a team that has an 18-40 and record the MVP. But, of course, we know what he's doing there. Sam Presti has been a master of being able to bring players in and out of the Oklahoma City Thunder and make the team look different year after year by going out and getting what he can. And he obviously made some very good draft picks. He's trying to publicly call out Palinka and the Lakers for not making moves at the trade deadline. I think the straw that broke the camel's back here and made him go public instead of what I ostensibly assume would be behind-the-scenes uh, uh, complaints is that Palenka said publicly that LeBron was okay with the lack of movement. And I, I don't know that that's an act characterization. So my problem with LeBron has always be, been someone who complains about the cards that he's dealt himself. You know what I mean? He's right. always the pseudo GM. He's always the one making the picks and, and affecting the roster. So when things don't work out, the only way to point is back at himself. But at the same time, He's got a couple years left, Fitz, and if he wants to and has to publicly chide the Lakers to get what he wants, that makes sense to me. This is the first time in his career he's coming up on the end of a contract without an option, and every other time he's been able to say, if you don't do what I want, I'm leaving. He can't leave. So if he needs to call out the Lakers publicly, that's what he's going to do, and I, I don't blame him, even though it feels a little unsavory after he put together this roster that's failing. It's Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And I'm going to double down on what you said when it comes to LeBron, Sarah, because there's a part of me that whatever this, you know, what show is that he's sitting in right now with the Lakers is of his own doing. Like, that's the part of this that I at least want some accountability, some acknowledgement of from LeBron as he looks around and says, well, you know, I I wanted Palenka to be more active getting rid of the players that you okayed because nothing (laughs) happens with the Lakers without LeBron saying, okay, I'll put my check mark on this. Like if the toys go to the bad kids, Santa still checked the list twice. It's LeBron's job to, to put this roster together because that's part of what he expects when he goes anywhere he goes. So whatever the failings are with the Lakers lie squarely at the feet in part of LeBron. And if that's the case, then at least come out and acknowledge, Hey, 
I thought things would work out differently than they have. They haven't worked out the way I wanted. Now I want the team to do all of these other things. And I understand his aggressiveness in the moment. But if you're the Lakers, you got to look at it and say, man, I can only give you so much before I then have to worry about the future of this franchise combined right. with the right now of this franchise. Like their, their wants are a little different right now. And no matter how much public pressure there comes from LeBron, if he's not going to acknowledge his own doing in this, then I'm not going to give his, his words of pressure any extra weight. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I think the point is he's not going to acknowledge that. Right. And I think he probably also wants to point out he's having one of the best seasons of his career at 37 and that it's kind of a wasted year because the Lakers haven't done what they want. Now, you can blame him in part for roster construction. That's absolutely uh, valid. But the disappointment of Anthony Davis consistently being injured, the disappointment of Russell Westbrook not being a guy that he thought he could count on, you know, maybe the fact that they, they thought that you could have gotten some of those veteran pieces off to other players, other teams, I'm sorry, looking for expiring contracts or looking to be able to offload in the offseason and take some of their younger pieces that are at least a little bit more useful to you now. I think there's probably moves that could have been done and weren't. Um, and I think the, the point is LeBron doesn't want to take any more blame than he has to, and he's already taking a lot because of the way we talk about him as sort of the shadow GM. Um, and I think he's in a unique position of not being able to bully a team. You said that their wants are not exactly the same. That's true because, of course, they have a longer uh, forward you know, future to look for. But they have to capitalize on having LeBron while they have him. So they are in win-now mode, must win next year, because Anthony Davis has proved he is not going to be the 1A they can count on to build around after LeBron. I am of the mind to trade Anthony Davis. So if you know that you have one year left with this guy who's playing at this high of a level, I think you probably are on the same page. It's just a matter of being able to get it done, and I think a lot of the guys that they grabbed and contracts they signed are making that tough. I have to quickly, before we move on for this, the one piece of straight talk we all need, straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. If LeBron and Bronny want to play together, that is going to be a sensational moment that the entire league oh, yeah. will gravitate towards. It would be epic and incredible. It doesn't have to be for the Knicks, despite what all of our analysts will tell you. <laughs> or the Cavs, for that matter. Have we have be. no idea yeah. what's going like, to happen, but we're just everyone's talking about it in their city so far. I mean, it, it is a nightmare. One other big thing that came out of the All-Star game and All-Star weekend is that Sun star Chris Paul will miss six to eight weeks with a right thumb injury. He has an avulsion fracture in his right thumb. This is what Kendrick Perkins, ESPN NBA analyst, said on first take about who needs to step up and now. I believe Devin Booker is a superstar. Stephen A., you believe that Devin Booker is a superstar. Molly, you believe that Devin Booker is a superstar. Now it's time for Devin Booker to prove to us that he's a superstar, that he could be a superstar and win games without Chris Paul. Because no matter how we want to look at it, that no matter how we want to look at it, the fact of the matter is, is that Devin Booker has not showed us that he's capable of winning games without Chris Paul yet. And this is his time to show us that he's capable of being not only a superstar and getting buckets, but being the leader of this team and going out there and keeping the boat afloat and going out there and leading this team to victories. I think that's fair, sir. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think, listen, th- this team has a quite a nice cushion for this injury. And I think <laughs> Booker spun it the only possible positive way, which is that Chris Paul, when he does return, will be nice and rested as a veteran player. Um, but this does allow him to take control. And this does allow him to prove that he's a superstar. We all believe him to be. Um, that West is not nearly as packed tight at the top as the East is. You don't run the risk of losing as much ground with a, with a, with a rough couple weeks. The key is that when he does return, he is 100% able to be back and comes in at the right time to make this team capitalize on what's been an unbelievable year. We just talked about it Friday. We've, we've not talked about the Suns enough. Um, and and we'll, we're going to get a good look at how they fare without them. In a season of positivity, maybe I'm just a beacon of light tonight for some reason. I keep thinking, <laughs> wow, there's a real like win-win that can come from this in that the Suns get to see their team without Chris Paul, which can have value in it. And then if it's all going down in flames, he's likely back in time for whatever they need in the playoffs. So in that sense, you know, you can look at it from the Suns and say they'll be just fine, but they also get to try out what all of this will look like with Devin Booker taking on a bigger role. So uh, I'm not giving up on the Suns at all, though, as as quality as their play has been throughout the course of the season. All right, we'll get back to the All-Star game in a little bit. Like I said, a lot to react to from that. But we have breaking news regarding the NFL scouting combine. What impact will it have to your favorite team when they draft? We'll ask an expert next. This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. So just as we were about to come to air tonight, begin this show, we got some breaking news regarding the NFL combine. Adam Schefter tweeting out the combine has been, quote, unbubbled for players in attendance per a memo sent out tonight. That memo was sent from the National Invitational Combine to all players attending the combine, still recommending masks, but changing course on what was presumed to be a bubble uh, concept, which was causing some players and agents to threaten a boycott. What's it all mean for your favorite team? We're going to ask an expert. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. And uh, when these things happen, we always uh, pick up the bat phone and ask our buddy Randy Mueller to join us to sh- on the show, former NFL executive of the year. So, Randy, let's start with the what-if situation. When it comes to the combine, if players had chosen to boycott, what impact would that actually have had on teams' abilities to uh, to evaluate the prospects? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, second of all, yes, I, I don't think it would have affected the teams. I think there would have been a lot of teams fine with that. I do think it affects TV. I think it affects ratings, and I think it affects the league office. So when, when you have 100, 150 or more players decide not to work out, that's the content by which really the, the NFL combine has become. It's been changed from an evaluative event to a made-for-TV series, that's for sure. It used to be three days, now it's five. It got moved from midday to prime time. So it's all for TV purposes. There's not a lot to be gained by watching these workouts per se. You're going to get individual workouts at schools, you still get your medical information. You still get interviews. The combine has value, but I would say on a, on a you know a bigger note that workouts themselves, believe it or not, aren't the most valuable part of the combine. That's for sure. Well, I wanted to ask you, as someone who was obviously involved for a long time, the big sticking point was keeping prospects from being able to communicate and interact with their personal trainers, doctors, agents, nutritionists. How much of that goes on throughout the course of the day and days that it would have been significantly different if that wasn't allowed? Well, I don't know how much it would affect the individual players, but I do know this. Over the years, everybody has a team, right? Everybody has all of these people associated with them now that end up having their own cottage industry based on what they do in training, in preparing players for combines, for workouts, for pro days. 
that's become a whole business in itself. So the fact that those people were going to be cut out of the equation doesn't really affect the teams per se again. Maybe it's the psyche. Maybe it's the comfort level of the individual players, and that's why. But it happens a lot. You, it was it's common ground, commonplace to walk through that convention center almost any time of the day or night there and see a guy practicing his starts for the 40 with three or four coaches and, and an agent and everybody around him. And these people are all over the place. So I don't know that it's a negative. It just draws more people, and I guess the league's case was unsecured or maybe even unvaccinated people into the bubble. So, therefore, there's more air, more, more chance of, of – vaccination uh you know penetrations or whatever of of the virus you know that's that's above and beyond me this happens there's a lot of it that goes on with regard to training and getting these players right it's really not a big deal for the employees or the scouts or the evaluators that's for sure we're talking to former nfl executive of the year randy mueller on spain and fitz sarah spain jason fitz we'll, we'll get off the combine topic in a second but i gotta ask you one more selfishly on this one for me and Sarah, because for both of our favorite teams, we're looking at new general managers. And from my understanding, most of the time the new GM will come in but not actually change the scouting staff until after the draft. So how weird is it for a new front office to come in and try and mesh their notes with a scouting department that's already been working for the team that may have a totally different set of notes? Well, I think the notes are one thing. The evaluations are one thing. But really what where it becomes a little problematic is that your scouts and your people have been looking for a specific criteria for players, and now that has to be matched with a total different scheme, a total different coaching staff, and a totally different way of how they're going to deploy this talent. So that's where the disconnect comes. I think in both your guys' cases, if I'm seeing this correctly, the Raiders and the Bears, they've been allowed to make some changes internally in their scouting office. And so they've brought some of their own people. I know the Bears hired an assistant GM, and they've made some other changes. The Raiders have made changes as well. And I think that's good for the long haul of those franchises because they get more people on board, their own guys, their own people, to kind of go forward with a new staff that both have employed. So I think there's always a, a little bit of a disconnect when you change schemes. And it's up to the GM and the new guys to figure out what these coaches want and then go find it. Randy Mueller, former NFL exec of the year with us here on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Randy, the Brian Flores to the Steelers news, is there more to that than just the Steelers taking advantage of a high-value guy who they can get way above his pay grade at the position they hired him at? You know, I don't know, Sarah, if there's anything behind the door number three or not. I know this. Brian Flores is a good coach. He's a really good communicator. He does a nice job with his players. The players like him. You could see that in Miami. These guys played hard for him. The way they finished that season this year, the way he's he's kind of gone about his business of, of coaching the team, his criticism came with other parts of, of the building and dealing with with the other areas uh, of the whole operation. So I think it's a good move by the Steelers. I think bringing him on under a guy like Mike Tomlin obviously is going to make for, for uh, you know, a, a good connection. I'm sure they're buddies before this, and I'm sure, that, I'm sure this will help the Steelers going forward. So I like the move. Whether there's something to it besides that, I don't know. I think it's ironic that he goes to the team where the Rooney rule is named after. I like it, though, and, and I'm happy Brian has, has been able to find employment. Now, Randy, you also have experience around the XFL, and the NFL and XFL have reached a partnership agreement that was uh, talked about today, focusing on creating innovative programs and protecting the health of players. As someone that was involved with the XFL, what did you make of that news? I thought it was really positive. I really 
think it's a great thing for both, to be honest with you. And, and obviously the NFL can help the XFL, but I think the, the NFL sees the XFL as a Petri dish for maybe doing some experimenting with rules, with guidelines, with player safety things. The one thing the XFL did in its 2.0 version before the pandemic shut them down was they had changed the rules and changed the way they viewed special teams and they changed punt formations and kickoffs and things like that. I don't know that the NFL is going to go do that kind of stuff without experimenting with it. And I think that's where they saw value in adding a, a, a really a partner in the XFL. They can do more things further out things outside the box thinking that I don't think you could do unless you put it to some real tests with real live bodies. The XFL did a nice job of implementing some of that stuff. So I think it's great for the ecosystem of football. I've always thought there's a place for spring ball and uh, you know, you see these leagues pop up, but they don't seem to last. I find it interesting that the NFL decided to partner a little bit with the XFL and not the USFL who's, who's run by Fox. So I think it bodes well for the XFL people, that's for sure, that they have at least somewhat of a partnership or backing from the NFL. Randy Mueller, former NFL exec of the years with us. Hey, 30 seconds or less, Randy, when you were involved uh, in, in with the with the Roughnecks and whatever, did, did you find that they talked more about trying to be as close to the NFL as possible or taking those big swings and being different in order to get attention? Um, I don't know that we took any big swings. I know this. There's a lot of good players out there, and really it's about opportunity. So I do think there was enough outside-the-box thinking that, that I think you want to be somewhat different. You know, we had microphones or we had headsets in all of our perimeter players, in receivers, running backs, head. The coach could talk to them all. Just a lot of things like that that, hey, it's 2022. Why not look at some of these new things? Give an inside look. Be be transparent in the way you make decisions on the sidelines and, and actually cover some, some different ground that the NFL can't do. So I think it's a good, it's good common ground and they're different enough to where I think fans will like it and not think it's the same old, same old when it comes to football. You can follow him on Twitter at Randy Mueller underscore. As always, Randy, we appreciate your expertise. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thanks, guys. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. You could say big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. And it is interesting, as Randy just pointed out, Sarah, that there's going to be opportunities, whether it's with the XFL or the USFL. Like, there are going to be opportunities for the NFL to get involved if they want to. The question mm-hmm. is, how deep do they want that partnership to go? And to your point, do those leagues want to stay separate so they can offer a different product? I think the Petri dish thing of being able to use some of the stuff and be um, worthwhile for the NFL could help the XFL in terms of wanting the NFL to be on their side and to, and to work with them. Um, I think it's a real tough thing to sell. We'll get into it someday, Fitz. They often end up on the opposite side of my discussions as I talk about why we're willing to lose hundreds of millions on yet another football league that fails instead of putting <laughs> any money into women's sports. But yeah. that's a topic for another time. <laughs> a topic we will certainly get into. Speaking of topics, it's one thing to watch Steph Curry on TV, but he was absolutely crazy, and our next guest got to watch him in person. We'll get you an all-star game recap. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. The queen of all-star weekend, who had uh, perhaps the biggest play of the weekend in not letting Bill Walton steal her mic, which would have no (laughs) doubt resulted in 24 straight minutes of uninterrupted, unintelligible content that no one could have stopped, even with a commercial break. Monica McNutt is going to join us here. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, you heard her uh, on the radio side of things for the game. You saw her all over the TV for the celeb game, uh, for all the other stuff, and she absolutely crushed it. Monica, I think that's the first time you've gotten the chance to cover an all-star game weekend, right? 
It is my first All-Star Weekend. What's up, y'all? Hey, guys. Not bad um, at all. Crushing that green suit, bringing your A-game. What stands out to you as your favorite moment? Um, I think it was that Bill Walton moment, if I'm honest. Because literally, y'all, <laughs> like, not five seconds before we went live, I go to, like, pound everybody because, you know, maybe not hug. We're living in the COVID era or whatever. And he goes, air pound, right? And I, I was so confused at first. Like, I went to pound him again. And he's like, air is health. Air is health. So he doesn't want to make actual contact. And so to have my hand like raptured up into his with this microphone and now we're like making contact, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But like my dad is a huge ball of fan. And so I knew as soon as he grabbed it, I was like, this is great TV. And so I was like, let me yeah. dramatically grab this cake. And like Dominique was in on it. And it was, so it was really cool. So, Monica, we always hear about the All-Star Game being this great recruiting opportunity for players to get to know each other and decide they want to play together. You were there. You saw it. Was there somebody that had, like, a surprising vibe that everybody seemed to really want to be around? Michael Jordan? Okay. Sorry. So, guys, MJ looked at me and, like, waved at me. I was like, hey. like, And I was like, oh, you mean? Like, you sure mean? And he's like, yeah. So that, like, was one of my highlights. But I think that I don't think that a lot of that happened this year because the guys were so incredibly reverent during the Diamond Team 75 celebration. Like that really, I think, was an undersold. I don't know if it came across on TV, but to be in the arena, like I'm looking at Giannis and talking to him right after, and he's like, Doc, I was about to crack. And LeBron walks by and was like, I was about to lose it. Like these are like <laughs> seven-foot giants, and like they are completely moved. Um, by this presentation. And, of course, there was always a little bit of a wild card in what Dennis Rodman was or was not going to do. At one point, I didn't think he was going to stay on the stage. Um, but I don't know that there was as much recruiting uh, and such. And then, of, of course, you know, uh, KD doesn't show because this is the loss of his grandmother. Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell's out sick. And then James Harden is there, which was like, oh, hey, look yeah. at this guy. Um, so I, I didn't think know there were such good strip clubs in Cleveland, but must be. Right. Must be. Yeah. Uh, Monica McNutt with us here on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, one of the best ways for me to sum up why I love watching Stephen Curry so much is that he's the only other player other than Michael that consistently makes me laugh watching him. There's plenty of other guys <laughs> that I ooh and ah, and I'm amazed and I you know hold imaginary people back on my couch because I'm like, what? <laughs> But for whatever reason, there's this, like, giggly joy when Steph does what Steph does. And and I have to ask what it was like to be in the building and watching it live. So he was booed. I'm pretty sure you guys can hear that. Yeah, oh, we knew. And, yeah. Yeah, right? and he took that personally. He So he leaned in. He's like, even um, All-Star Saturday night when he and Aisha played the game with 2 Chains yep. and his wife, like, mm-hmm. he, he was just booed, right? But when he was on that shooting spurt, the arena was living on every shot. And it was crazy because I'm looking across at Celebrity Row, and it's like Ludacris, Dave Chappelle, Tiffany Haddish, Guy Fieri. Like, they are up and down out of their seat with these threes, like kids. Like, it was so entertaining. Um, and, of course, I was sitting next to Ali LaFleurs with the TNT broadcast. And down the stretch, um, he obviously got a little bit cold because I think – I can't remember which time out it was. But Chris Paul came over – to the scores table, and they wanted to know the record. And P.J. Carlissimo and Kevin Kessinger had just mentioned it on our broadcast, so I was able to share. But they were they were trying to set stuff up to break that 52-point record. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Monica McNutt, uh, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, you also talked to LeBron after the game last night, and he had the game-winning shot. He was pretty vocal this weekend about everything that could be happening. What did you make of all of the LeBron comments this weekend? Uh, I first 
immediately went to go look up Bronny's ranking in his class, and he's forty third by our colleagues in the class of twenty twenty three. So I was like, okay, let's just let's just see what happens there. Um, but second, you know, Fitz, I never really thought LeBron was going to finish as a Laker, and I'm surprised by how many people do. It was funny because we were walking into the arena, and not that you know security guards and and arena staff people are sources per se, although sometimes they see fantastic stuff, but they do have the pulse of a city and they're around these stars. And a lot of these stars are very personal with those folks. And so the guy checking us in, he's like, you know, he's like, Kobe's the king in LA. He's like, LeBron can never be the king in LA. LeBron is the king here. He's coming back. Like mark, mark my words. And now whether he's right or not, I think the sentiment was something to think about. Like all stars or all paths eventually led him to bring a championship back to Cleveland. And honestly, I mean, Cleveland's in a great spot right now. I don't know what it would cost to bring LeBron back necessarily. Obviously, the team would look different. Um, but I do agree that that's home for him, and that's been a very big part of his legacy, both on the court and off the court. It was super cool to have the I Promise kids that are freshmen at Kent State right in the arena uh, on Sunday night as well. Yeah, the charitable side of it was really cool. I love the Elam ending. I might get the point, Monica. Mm-hmm. I'm so hype on it. I want all sports to end that way. I don't even want clocks anymore. I just think it's so good. <laughs> Wait, are we going to do this? Are we going to do I this mean, in real life? I think we should I, I think do it's it. Great. It's so it's good. It's great for All-Star. I don't know if I want it in real life, though. Right, I, I'm right. on the fence about real life. Little trickier in terms of, you know, like start times and TV and everything else. But it's just, it's so good. So good for the All-Star game. It added uh, meaning to every quarter. And then the end, of course, was fantastic. Mm -hmm. The dunk contest sucked. I watched all of it. I don't know why. I just was already on my couch and started it. And I was like, I'm going to see this through. I was kind of like the guys in the dunk contest. I was like, it's just too late now. I'm in it. I got to stick with it. Um, (laughs) I said it was basically sponsored by DJ Khaled because it was like, and another one. And another one. That's hilarious. (laughs) Um, I also noted that uh, Giannis, I hope, was getting some sort of sponsorship for all those phones that he was... I mean, he kept showing his phone and taking videos no matter how many times he got video of missed... It's like when you're, you know, you keep trying to get a goal in soccer and eventually you just stop taping and then, of course, course they score. That was Giannis, like, the entire time. How do you want to fix it? Do you want, like, all-star dunkers that aren't pro players to be mixed in? Do you want shaming of superstars to get back into it? Do you want it canceled altogether? What do you want? I don't want to cancel it all together, but I, one, I think I want a clock. I think I want it timed, right. and I don't want a gazillion opportunities. Fewer I think the chances. guys know the rules, and so you saw them elevate, but then they're, they don't do the downward motion, so it doesn't count, and then we get all these restarts, right? I think more than anything, I want time back to it, and I'm not sure how we can get some of our favorite guys back into the dunk contest. Like, it's not really a charity thing. Like, they got plenty of money, at least the guys that we want to see. I think it's going to take – a little bit of a personal rivalry maybe between some guys and an opportunity to really embrace it. Uh, but the the first thing I would bring back or institute, I don't know if they've had it at one point, would be time for sure. Like you just time it. So, so dudes are less inclined to try to be reckless and make a dunk so that you can advance. Like it was just too cute too early. Do, do players in your experience around the league care that much about the dunk contest anymore? No, that's that's it, Fitz. Like, it doesn't seem to be a thing. Now, I think I, – what I will say is I think we're probably, I don't know, the, the next kind of wave away, right? Like, think about it. When when Levine won and, and Aaron Gordon, like, mm-hmm. neither one of them were really, like, star stars in the league, right? But they were great dunkers. And now mm-hmm. Zach is obviously taking this next step, and Aaron's in a good spot in Denver. So, like, I think the idea of – the Vince Carter kind of dunker or like LeBron or even Ja. I don't know if we actually have ever really, really had that. I mean, what's my guy that was a Nick, the, the small guard that one Nate won a couple of times. Uh-huh. Like 
Dwight Howard Robinson, was always a big guy. So I don't Nate know Robinson if we ever get. Blake was good. Yeah, yeah, I, but I don't know if we're gonna get back to stars, stars doing it right. Like I just, I just don't know if we're gonna get that. We got to get guys that are good dunkers. And uh, to Kenny's point on the broadcast, I think a lot of those guys were better in-game dunkers than they were like creative contest guys. Well, I, uh, I, I think we should shame them. I think we should shame the guys who are making crazy money <laughs> built on the backs of the dudes who came and showed up for every game, didn't have any DNPs, didn't miss games, showed up for the dunk contest, played hard. I, I know I sound like I'm a get-off-my-lawn person, but I feel like some of those dudes like Josh should just not be forced to, but should want to to keep it alive because if, that all, if the dunk contest dies on their watch, it's on them a bit, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, that's hey, how I hey. feel about it. I was just about to say, Spain, how would you shame them? Like, it might, like, this could have been the year that shamed them. You know what right. I mean? I don't really think it's anything we can say. They kind of got to be like, all right, I'm going to bring it back. I think and some, wear of the old a heads, some of the old heads that made it great need to, like, be on video calling them out and be like, oh, that's this thing's going to die on that. your watch. Yeah, yeah. Or, or just get Michael to lace them up and challenge every one of them <laughs> because we know he's still willing to do it. Michael he wants a piece magic. of magic. Just get him out there. Uh, Monica, thanks for the time. Such a fun weekend. You did such a great job. Um, we're so Crushed proud of you. It. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Have a great rest of the show. Thanks, Monica, Monica McNutt. You can follow her at McNutt Monica. And if you're not already, why? Why aren't you? God, Not even so a good. rising star. She's just yeah. a star now. Spain and Fitz brought to you by My Computer Career, training for a better life. We'll continue to react to the All-Star Weekend, attempting to finish the dunk contest. How is it possible that there was a higher percentage of shots made in the three-point contest? We'll dissect it all next in Spain and Fitz. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on a Monday on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We are going to get to me paying off the polar plunge bet. Uh, the, the month of February is nearing its end, and I'm leaving for sunny Arizona on Friday, so I had to get mm. it in this past weekend. There were some hiccups. We'll get into it. Uh, but let's, let's stick with the All-Star game. Uh, we were just talking to Monica about it, and... I mean, I've always thought that NBA All-Star didn't need a whole lot of fixing in terms of the game itself. It had a little bit of a lull. Adding the Elam ending really helped out in terms of making each quarter matter up in the defense. But Steph Curry, 50 points, All-Star game three-point record, and doing it with all of the swagger and the shimmy and the and the vibes that you could imagine. And then, on top of that, when you thought it couldn't get any better, LeBron... Hits the game winner, a turnaround Jay in the in the building in his home state of Cleveland to get the win. Um, it was all it was all so good, and there was just the the, the narrative through outfits of you know Monica mentioned it, Steph and Aisha getting booed from the first moment, uh, booed throughout, and in the end the crowd's on his side because they can't help but be rooting for what he, they're watching him do, and he also by the way born in Akron, Steph Curry. You know, an Ohio boy, if not for the fact of torching the, the Cavs, they would all love him. Um, but he ended up, because he announced he would donate $1,000 for every point, 3000 for every three, and 10000 if he won MVP to the Cleveland Metro School District. After all of that, $108,000 donated to the very people that were throwing shade. It was perfect. I mean, that is remarkable. And look, I, there was a period where I think everybody complained too much about the lack of defense in an all-star game. And now it's just fun to watch the guys. I mean, a 163-160 win. It, like, I, I feel like three or four years ago, people would be just absolutely trashing everything about that 
process because nobody's playing hard. But, in fact, I just think the game has become enjoyable. The game itself, I don't have a problem with. And and even as Monica McNutt just referenced the 75th anniversary team, watching Magic mm. Trash Talk uh, or Michael Trash Talk Magic right. and, and do the whole let's lace them up, like, I wish we had the opportunity to see that. Like, I do wish there was <laughs> – instead of giving me, like, the young game and, and then the all-star game and then, like, like mash it all together. Give me a mix of, like – the, the legends playing on the same team with the currents playing on the same team with the young so guys. that's what some people said. Maybe do a game of horse. Oh, something oh. where some of the older guys, if they physically aren't able to get up and down the court the same way, if they were, they'd be probably playing the big three and still making money off it. So maybe yeah, something fair. like horse would work. So I thought the Rising Stars game was awesome. I loved how I they split too. it into multiple teams. And again, Elam ending makes it interesting. And you get a chance to see a lot of those guys. I thought that format was better. I thought the three-point is always is a success. The skills got a little better dicey you weren't always sure of the rules and it was a little bit limited in terms of who you were rooting for because they only gave you rookies onto the compos and cleveland folks but i still enjoyed it um the celebrity game even i zoomed through it because it was it was during our show so i kind of you know fast forwarded through but there were some funny moments and some good plays in there too all of it i found entertaining um except for the dunk contest which just sucked and you want to abolish it all together you want to literally get rid of what used to be the crown jewel of the weekend for like a decade yeah yeah let's just trash the whole thing so hear Come me on. out especially this week right because you know law and order is coming back and and this is important to <laughs> okay. me you know, like law and order I don't know that there's ever been a show in history that I'm more likely to sit down and watch front to back for a full episode, I don't including think I've ever commercials seen it. if I have to, than the original <laughs> Law and Order. Not the SVU, not Criminal Intent, not any, no, the original Law and Order. But it ran out. for like hmm. 20 years, and then it went off the air. And and once it went off, at the end of 20 years, people are like, oh, it's stale, whatever. It comes back this week for the first time in years. I am irrationally excited. I will watch Wait, it live. Wait, new ones? Like, or the reruns of the, okay. No, new okay. ones. Like, they're bringing back the, right. So now, even though it had run its course, I am going to watch this thing because it's returning. I think that the, what the dunk contest needs is a little bit of separation, right? We just need this era where it ends for a minute and everybody realizes they miss it. And then maybe in like, I don't know, five or ten years, you bring it back. And then all of a sudden, five or ten years, maybe players are amped up to do it. But right now, like, nothing's going to top the legend of, of Michael versus Dominique and all of those teams we watch. Everything feels like we've seen it before. I don't know what else you could possibly do in a dunk to make it more interesting. And even the ones that are supposed to wow me, I just sit there. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was cool. Like, I just none right. of it hits the same way. So I agree with parts of that. I, I do think that at this point, some of the guys are doing dunks that would have been so impressive back in the day. And because we've seen it all and because the vibe and the approach is different and they're not superstars, we kind of shrug, which makes it really hard to do anything great. But I think we were saying that before Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. And they re they 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 brought it back to life. I think we were saying that before Blake jumped over a car and before Nate got interested. You know, I think there's there's ways to make it good. And I think these guys had a combination of a lot of misses and not a lot of creativity. I mean, you know, the Tims and and getting the assist from your dad who played as well. That's okay for a first one. But after that, I mean, the NFT around your neck that you don't even dunk in, you just hand it off, and then a bunch of things that are sort of similar to what we've seen before that was part of it i think to your point if if there is a threatening to get rid of it all together that's where my shame plan comes in that's when <laughs> you get the old heads to say wow this thing used to be magic this thing used to be a star creator or or a star elevator like it's not like neek and mj needed it but they came in and they elevated who they are and we're still talking about it decades and decades later could you do that for yourself? Maybe not quite like that, 
but you could make it something special. And if you let it die on your watch, that's a disrespect. That's a middle finger to all of us who built up this league and made it what it is so that you could be making 80 times as much money as we ever did. Like, I think there could be a shame aspect because a lot of people are saying, make it for charity, you know, do something. I, I send him a private jet or make it a million dollars. I think more so than the money is the shame. Uh, you do make a good point there, by the way. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Protecting your small business is a big deal. Cover what you work so hard for. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com. You've got me thinking, you know, because I'll, I'll point out my own hypocrisy. One thing that I said last week when talking about the Memphis Grizzlies is that if they go on a run on the playoff in the playoffs, everybody has the opportunity to fall in love with John Morant, right? Like, we've had Jaron Jackson on this mm-hmm. show and uh, love the guy, right? Like, there's just certain guys that have personality, but you don't necessarily get the chance to see the personality of the guys as much. And then when you get to the actual All-Star game itself, there are so many big stars that are already stars, it's tougher to shine through. I do have to wonder in this moment if somebody like Ja finds himself in the dunk contest and does something absolutely, oh, my God, Will that raise the star yeah. sort of brand of John Morant, the Memphis Grizzlies, all of it at once? And and, and maybe you're right, like, because there is this star maker element. If you are my age, you grew up with the Michael Jordan free throw dunk poster mm-hmm. somewhere in your room. You owned yep. that poster. And, and that is part of what became, didn't matter if you were a Bulls fan or not, you became a Michael Jordan fan because of those dunk contests. I don't know how to bring, maybe shame is the right way to do it, but certainly it has to be with household names that we're starting to fall in love with or we're already in love with that go out there and do something phenomenal. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Yeah, I mean, I think they obviously have to do something, and trying some things, making it interesting, uh, might might be their only choice now. I don't think they can plow ahead with the way it's been the last couple years. Um, but maybe Ja or someone will come to save the day. Hey, speaking of saving the day, someone is circulating a photo of KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen together smiling in the back area where it looked like the 75 gathered either before or after coming out which uh, stood in stark contrast to what we saw, that cold shoulder kind of chill vibe where KG didn't give him a fist pounder or anything when Ray Allen came out. Um, I know there's more to the story than most people know. It's not just about Ray leaving for LeBron's Miami Heat. But even if there is more to it, Fitz, I still, it makes me sad when you've got this incredible gathering and you've got the three musketeers and, and, and they're not hanging together. Yeah, there's a moment of, getting through that that I don't know you know I, I I know that there are people that I had huge chapters in my life with that I don't really have a relationship with and it is a very sad thing like if there yeah. is a way for them to work through it I think it's it, you know it's better for everybody to have that moment and be able to laugh and love because really realistically a great moment in NBA history is shaded because of it yeah I mean you have to figure out if the beef is worth it and sometimes it is you would attest to that it's time for me to pay off a bet oh It's going to be ugly. It's next. Well, it's going to be up to you guys to decide whether I fully paid off the bet. It's a little dicey around Chicago trying to dive into Lake Michigan in the winter. We'll get to that in a moment. (laughs) I certainly tried a hell of a lot harder than Fitz ever has at literally anything, but especially paying off bets. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I will momentarily post video of yesterday's adventures around Lake Michigan, uh, but I wanted to share with Fitz live in the moment exactly how everything went down. And I want to set the stage for it by first uh, sharing another story about frozen genitals. Uh, it's a rare occasion when we can have two stories on our show about frozen genitals. Uh, but I guess this is the sweet is spot. I mean, it, okay. Yeah, this is this is the sweet spot. Uh, I won around the horn today. 
Um, yeah, finally. Good, good as, to know it's not as, rigged. As should happen. Uh, and I spent my FaceTime uh, after after Pablo and I both got bleeped in our Showtime answer, showdown answers, uh, which I think is also a first. Um, I spent my FaceTime talking about a 50-kilometer cross-country skiing racer, Remy Lindholm of Finland, uh, who suffered a... Uh, malfunction of a particular body part uh, during a frozen race at the Olympics. They actually made the race shorter because of the temperature being so bad. Unfortunately, it didn't save Remy. Uh, this is what it sounded like on Around the Horn as I tried to explain what happened. Uh, Finnish cross-country skier Remy Lindholm showing us the dedication to sport regardless of outcome. In the race in the Olympics, he had a frozen appendage, uh, a twig and two berries, a meat and two veg. You get the point I'm making. Not only was this painful for him, but it was the second time he's frozen an appendage while competing. Oh. And I say, freeze me once, shame on you, but freeze me twice, shame on me. You're dedicated, Remy, I'm proud of you. He's okay, he's okay. Yeah, as far as I know, he's okay. He did say the pain was excruciating when it warmed up enough for him to feel it again. Yeah, Sarah, uh, <laughs> there has to be a spot here where you realize, especially if you've gone through it once before, you realize your no-no <laughs> places are now telling you no-no. Like, that's when you're just, like, you're out. Like, I, there's a process. The first time it happens, maybe you're sitting here thinking, oh, this can't be real, this can't be real. But once you know it is real, because it doesn't feel like it, it would be, right? Once you know this is actually a thing that's happening and, you know, your junkie Brewster's getting st- just going to get, like, frozen like junkie ice, that's, where, that's when you're just like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. I quit. Like, there's no metal this important. I got to worry about the future of my <laughs> livelihood. It, well, that's you know, what I, it, I felt bad about. People were making fun of him for finishing 28th and saying it's not worth it. I'm like, he's at the Olympics. What have you ever done? Like, let's yeah. be a little bit. Let's take it easy. You know what I haven't done? Ready, I haven't okay? frozen my junk. Like, I haven't frozen my, like, I don't, I don't have, you know, I don't have an ice pop. The man in the arena there. is the no, one okay. who tries fits. Uh, frozen well, that, penis or not. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's maybe that's you the haven't difference. really lived. That's why there's a series called Man in the Arena, not Man that talks about Man in the Arena, because that that would be a much different series. I'm like, I got a paper cut. I'm out for the week. Uh, pray that's for right, me. That's, that's right. Much different. I believe that's what you that's what you texted me. Yeah, I get a paper I, cut. And I can't go, and this man is just playing through a frozen. Dingling is not yeah. the word you use, but yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, that transitions us perfectly into my attempt to freeze all of my various dinglings. Uh, if you all recall, we had a bet. Uh, I've won every single bet on this show except for two. We we I uh, Fitz beat me when his aces had a better regular season record than my sky, which was only because Candace Parker got hurt for a bunch of the games, and then my sky ended up winning the title. So who's the real winner here? Me. I think it's me. The second bet I lose is the most absurd consequences we've ever had on this show. And I blame Angry Bears fan dad man, our number one fan for this, because he suggested it. At the time, I was certain I would win, because why wouldn't I? I always win. Uh, and I did not. And and the result was a polar plunge. Uh, we were supposed to pick preseason. Uh, we were supposed to pick division rankings for the NFL by the end of the season. And the standings uh, were so tight that it came down to the very last game and fits his dumb Raiders winning in a dumb game. That's one of the classics of all time. And so he, he won. And um, I'll tell you what happened, Fitz. Okay. I went out to Lake Michigan yesterday. It was a balmy 48. I was Ooh, feeling very lucky nice. that yeah. I got a good sunny 48 degree day. And I headed to an area that I thought would be the easiest place to, to run into the Lake Michigan uh, and run back out. I put on a bear onesie. I uh, mm-hmm. uh, figured that the Chicago Bears were part of my pain this season and they should struggle with me. Also felt right for a polar plunge. I didn't have a 
polar bear outfit. Uh, when I got there, what I didn't realize, because I don't often try to go swimming in Chicago in February, is that they pile the sand and ice up at the edge. I don't know if it's intentional or if that's just what happens as it continues to freeze, but access to the water is not possible. It is oh. about a seven or eight foot, possibly more at parts, cliff. So if you were to jump in, you would not be able to get out. So that was attempt number one. We get back in the car. By the way, my husband is is begrudgingly attending so that he can video this, and so is my dog in a sweater. And neither of them were particularly happy about trudging across long expanses of frozen, iced-over sand that kept collapsing under our feet and breaking our ankles en route to figuring out that we couldn't go. So then we go over to the harbor. This is seeming more promising, but all of the gates are closed to the walkways to get there. And it's also frozen over with ice, which seemed also dangerous. Yep, yep. <laughs> Didn't want to be one of those people that they're like, rescued from Lake Michigan was a dummy who was paying off a bet and then couldn't <laughs> escape the fr- frozen ice that she like swam under. Uh, then the third I, I try, by the way, am loving the, like, the true crime person <laughs> in me is loving the concept of Brad trying to convince the cops that he yeah. was just there to film you for a pet and had yeah. nothing to do with any he of was, it. Like this. He was not pleased with me being like, no one's going to see. He's like, there's people everywhere. I'm like, all right. Uh, so then the third spot, this looked promising. Unfortunately, there were two issues. One, it was the area where you head out from the, 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 um, uh, the boat area, the docks, to the main Lake Michigan. Like, it's the, the mouth of it. So the current is pretty heavy. And we found a rogue ladder that you could go down. But the ladder was extremely far away from where the water was. Like, I would have had to go down about six or seven rungs before I could dive off of it and then try to get back onto it and come up again in the bear suit. And I was a little concerned about the frozen nature of the ladder being slippery. And if I let go, the current being strong enough to just sort of pull me away. And then here we are again with the needs to be rescued. Why was she in the water in freezing temperatures in a bear suit, etc.? So then... I thought about filling a kiddie pool with ice and water. Great idea. That's what literally in my mind right now is like, why didn't you just play Frozen while you sat in a kiddie pool? I should have done that. But by that point, uh, me, but more so my husband, had sort of lost patience with how long and how much of our day had been spent driving around to different places, trying to find somewhere to dive into. So in the end, I got into my shower at the coldest possible temperature and I put it on the rain shower, and I and I just sat in it, and I froze. And it was very cold and very uncomfortable, but admittedly was not a polar plunge. So while you have no jurisdiction over whether anyone's paid off their bets correctly, since you have never paid off one, I will still allow you to rule if you think I did my best and it counts or if I should continue pursuing this. Uh, it would not be in February, though, because I will be gone. Uh, I say count it. I say count it. Oh, Let's go. It, it it counts. You know, the effort is, by the way, more like, frankly, what I would have probably had Brad do, because your husband is a saint and hysterical <laughs> human being, is I would have had him take all the footage and just post that and be like, hey, we tried, and this is more effort than you deserve. Well, and that so would have been the end have. of it. He yeah, actually right. videoed a lot of the efforts of me trudging across various expanses that I called planet, you know, Kleptar or something, because that's what it looked like. Uh, so I will post the video of all the efforts and then me in the shower, uh, which by the end, I'm just telling him, stop taping me because I was so cold. Uh, <laughs> so I appreciate you letting it slide. I did do my best and I am disappointed because content wise, clearly it would have been better if I ran into Lake Michigan. Uh, we just couldn't make it happen. Uh, but well, uh 
you know. Th- this bet was really intended for far easier to do for in you. Connecticut yeah. slash Rhode Island. Like this would have been much uh, yeah. easier. So. I was like, I should just fly to, to West Hartford and jump in that reservoir. I'm sure there's an easy it access me, point. This gives me more time for next season so I can get in full speedo shape. There okay. we go. That's oh, a good. Nobody oh, needs that. Oh, good. Uh, the penalty for Michigan coach Juwan Howard has been levied for his role in the brawl that ensued in the handshake line against Wisconsin. But was it enough? And what's going to happen to the Wisconsin side? We'll get into it next. I'll post that video, too. It's Spain Fit. College basketball is always fun to watch on the weekend, but you rarely expect to get something that actually takes the entire Twitterverse over. That's what we got when Michigan took on Wisconsin. Not for what happened during the game, but what for, for what happened in the handshake afterwards. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And uh, we're short tonight, by the way. We're going to have some college basketball action coming up for you in just a few minutes. Oklahoma State hosting Baylor. Uh, coverage begins at 8.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app right after we're done. So you don't want to miss any of that. But speaking of college basketball, uh, punishments have been levied. Michigan's men's basketball coach, Jawan Howard, has been suspe- suspended. There's two ways to couch this. I could say the remainder of the regular season, which sounds wow. huge. Or I could be like, five games. Oh. Also find 40K, and that's for, how do we want to say it? It's not really a slap. It's not really a, it's like, a smush. Just, it's a, a smush. smush. Some people are more comfortable and are used to saying the face smush. Some of us feel a little less uh, like it's part of our regular vernacular, but that's a smush. Yeah, he smushed Wisconsin assistant coach Joe Krabenhoff in the face after Sunday's game. There were some heated words between he and Wisconsin coach Greg Gard. Now, through all of this, Greg Gard not suspended, fined $10,000. Uh, Krabenhoff, who definitely got into this, like was, mm-hmm. was an agitator for sure. Uh, looks like he will not receive punishment. Jawan has been suspended five games and fined $40,000. So uh, coach has released a statement saying, quote, after taking time to reflect on all that happened, I realized how unacceptable both my actions and words were and how they affected so many. I am truly sorry. I'm offering my sincerest apologies to my players and their families, my staff, my family, and the Michigan fans around the world. I would like to personally apologize to Wisconsin's assistant coach, Joel Krabenhoft, and his family, too. Lastly, I speak a lot about being a Michigan man and representing the University of Michigan with class and pride. I did not do that, nor did I set the right example in the right way for my student-athletes. I will learn from my mistake, and this mistake will never happen again. No excuses. The last part of that, Sarah, is what's really important to me because Jawan Howard had an issue last year with a Maryland head coach and had to be separated from everyone, according to some reports, threatened to kill him. I mean... It got mm. heated in that moment. So now we have a second year in a row where coaches lost his cool, but he says it will never happen again. I, I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, I think that was the thing that stood out to me is, first of all, number one, I think it's pathetic, and I get it. I've, I have, I'm have i a terrible loser. I'm extremely competitive. I did not keep a cool head when I was an athlete, but I also knew where the line was drawn. And I think it's pretty pathetic when a timeout or someone pressing – is what results in this kind of behavior from two grown adults when they're supposed to be displaying the behavior that trickles down to their players. If you can't keep it in in a handshake line because you're mad about a game that had already been decided because someone called a timeout or pressed, then how can you expect players in the moment who are bodying dudes and throwing bows and have their careers on the line to keep their heads? I just think it's a terrible example. So first off, that's pathetic. Secondly, to lose your cool in that moment and then after the game, when you get to that 
press conference to have no contrition whatsoever for what went down. Even if you feel warranted in being angry, you still have to say there is no excuse for the behavior that I exhibited. So I think it's good for there to be some sort of contrition here. I think the pattern is what worries me because um, as much as I like Juwan Howard, as much as I, uh, I want him to have success there, I think at some point you do have to stop using the excuse of if someone comes at me or I didn't like how he touched me. I mean, when he said after the game fits, I needed to protect myself. That, the guy touched your arm. Uh, and that's the part of it. Like context has to matter. And we talk all the time, especially from the football side that you're talking about the highest paid educators in the state. Oftentimes like Jawan Howard makes a mint to represent Michigan. And frankly, his just his name and reputation has been good for Michigan basketball when it comes to recruiting. And last year they saw tremendous results on the court. This year, according to the most recent bracketology from our bracketologist, Joe Lenardi, they're in the last four in. So they are in that sort of wiggle area that could find them out of the tournament. And I'm, I'm left to wonder if that plays into this suspension. I was surprised that the Big Ten didn't levy a suspension that covered not only the last five games, but also the conference tournament. Let him come back for the NCAA tournament, fine. But the conference tournament in the Big Ten is going to be a very big deal. You're talking about a lot of teams that have beat each other up this year, and we've seen good and bad from all of them in the process. So not having coach would have made a huge difference in my mind for Michigan basketball in the conference tournament, but it could cost the Big Ten an opportunity to make the NCAA tournament. When you start thinking about the fact that every team that qualifies for the tournament results in money coming back to the conference, I just feel like that had to play into part of why this is a soft suspension. I agree. Uh, first of all, I kind of thought it should just be end of regular season because it was a smush, not a punch, because I thought the assistant coach, whose name I can't pronounce, definitely Krabenhoff, whatever, his he he was the, the, the spark of this fire. They had them separated. It probably wouldn't have gone beyond that. I don't know what he said or did, but very clearly it set off Juwan. Now, Juwan needs to be better there, but between that and the guy who did the suck it symbol, there was just a lot of pieces in this that weren't good and so it didn't feel super one-sided to the point where first of all definitely not a fireable offense and I didn't think that it was worthy of a full season so I think end of the regular season and then from here on obviously Fitz he doesn't get any chances right I mean this is this is kind of it for Juwan in terms of losing his temper um I think he's been done done fairly by this although I wouldn't have been surprised or angry if it had gone further than that and I think they're in a really you know tough situation in terms of wanting to, to make the tourney and, and everything else and, and be successful. So they didn't want to over punish. What's interesting to me too, will be the fact that Wisconsin has chosen just to, to punish via a fine and not a suspension. Um, you know, cause guard had, had a role in it too. I mean, Jawan would have kept walking if not for him starting the conversation, whether he intended it to be explanatory or not. And this is where it always comes back to like grown ass adults need to act like grown ass yeah. adults. Like mm -hmm. I, I just, I know it's an oversimplification, and you're right. We've all been at that spot. And I was talking to our producer, Devin, before the show started about, you know, in my 20s, there were plenty of times that I, I made bad decisions when it came to anger management. And particularly, you know, I've been the, I'm the first to admit I lose my cool playing Madden against somebody. So, my God, I understand <laughs> this. But I'm also not standing up as a representative of a school. And that's what you have to think about differently. Like, every ounce of platform you get means you have to make certain decisions differently. And I, I, I thought about that in my career so many times at different opportunities of just like hey I'm in public and I don't want to say this because I represent more than just myself sometimes and you got to learn those moments I don't think it's asking too much especially from a college basketball coach 
who part of his his job is to teach his players how to play with control and understand their emotions in the situation. Like, how can you stand up in front of a group of men in that in that instance and defend yourself when this isn't the first time you've lost your cool? Like, you only get to, to step back from it so many times. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about, like, how soft we've become. But I, I also have to look at it and say, look, I, I don't think it's a bad thing that the Bobby Knight world no longer yeah. should exist in Agreed. college basketball. Like, I think that's the evolution of society, and it's okay to say what we accepted then we shouldn't have and we won't accept now. I agree with you. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I also, you know, we were talking about it around the horn today and Harry Lyles Jr. said, you know, we should get rid of the handshake line because the expectation that, you know, sometimes people are going to come to it in the wrong mindset uh, means that it's, it doesn't really send the message it's meant to. I disagree with that. And maybe it's Pollyanna-ish or naive, but the idea is that at the end you should be able to collect yourself and have the perspective that it was a game. Now, if there's some completely egregious, terrible, awful thing that happens, maybe, but this wasn't that. This was, I disagree with your timeout, or I disagree with you pressing my subs. This was something that you should be able to collect yourself and come back and shake hands, and that's supposed to be the message. There's a reason that we have that, is to remind people at the end that this was a game and you respect your opponent and opposing coaches, and if you can't do that, that's a check-in with yourself. Again, might sound naive and Pollyanna-ish, but... Um, you kind of have to have that respect level for us all to engage in what often is da- dangerous and, and potentially, you know, hazardous issue. And, and if you lose that respect and you can't do the handshake, then that's part of it. Yeah. And, and at some point when you're talking about conference rivals too, the Big Ten needs to make sure that they're sending the right reference, right message, not just for those coaches, but for the entire conference.